is just finding out what they are. Today we're talking about mm. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, starring Daniel Craig, Rooney Mara, Christopher Plummer, Stellan Skarsgård, Stephen Burkroft, Robin Wright, Yorick Van... Oh, shit. Here we go. Vagingen and Jolie Richardson, directed by David Fincher. I'm Ryan, your host of the Cinema Talk podcast. I'm Brendan. And I'm Matthew. And we are back for, I guess, kind of our second to last David Fincher review for a little bit yes. uh, until Mank comes out. But, With uh, no Logan. A... Yes, we are without Logan. Um, oh, he, is, he, is, he has been busy for the past few days, so unfortunately not able to be on this pod, but hopefully we'll have him back for Gone Girl next week. Um, and this podcast, we have to say, uh, as we're recording this, is already late. Um, it, it happens sometimes. We're all in college. Yeah. <laughs> it's busy. Um, so, sorry, but it's, it's still, you're still listening to it now. Exactly, it's fine, yeah. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, guys, so, coming off of, uh, Curious Cation, Benjamin Button, and A Social Network, very different movies from this, much back to Fincher's bleak nihilism that we'd gotten before, but, uh, this is a remake, um, as Brendan found out, (laughs) uh, which he can talk about in a minute, um, but, so this is a remake, this is, um... Uh, uh, an adaptation of a book. This is a, a well-known property that he's taking, and I think this is the... Okay, no, Curious Case of Benjamin Button was was pretty well-known, but this was the first, like, modern thing that he had a- adapted. So, uh... Fight Club. Uh, going into... Modern. I guess Fight Club, yeah. yeah was, was, that, was that... Was that... Was that a big thing, though? Was that, like, a big cultural Not thing? Not as big as Girl with the Dragon, Dragon Tattoo, was? but it was popular. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this was a very high-profile adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, guys, what, what were your thoughts going into this? Did you know, um... <laughs> Did you know about the other version? Did you know about the book? What did you know about this movie going in? I knew about the book. Uh, didn't know about the other version. Uh, the other version uh, is free to Prime members on Amazon Prime. And I was like, I, I typed up Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and like there were two different versions that came up, and I was like, oh, this one's free. This must be the right one. Uh, <laughs> this must be the right one. This must be, it must be the right one. I started watching it, and I was like a couple minutes in, and I was just like, isn't Daniel Craig supposed to be in this movie? <laughs> I was like, Numi Rapace Why are they this? all speaking Swedish? Why are they all speaking Swedish? And I messaged our group chat, and I was like, is this whole movie in Swedish? <laughs> they were like, no, you dipshit. That's the first one that came out in 2009. I was like, uh... And so I, I bought the other one. But I, I had heard of the books before. I haven't read them. But I think, like, my dad has or something. I have also classic dad book. I have also heard of the books. I, you know, they were very, very popular. I was aware of the three other um, versions of this movie with Amy Rapace, but I hadn't seen any of them. I'd always wanted to watch this movie because I thought it sounded cool, and I love Fincher, and this was one of the ones I hadn't seen. Yeah, yeah, I, I had seen this movie before this viewing, but I saw it for the first time back in like May. Um, it this is happening a lot. I'm going through like watching directors on my own, and then I'm like, hey, do we want to review all these movies on the podcast? I did that with Fincher. I like watched a couple movies of his, besides obviously The Game and Panic Room, which I hadn't seen before this series. But I watched this movie randomly because it was a Fincher movie back in May, and then I was like, hey, let's review all the Fincher movies on the podcast, um, leading up to Mank. So yeah, I'd seen this movie before uh, for this viewing, but um, yeah, v- very recently. But I I don't really know much of anything. Um, I had heard about the, um, I guess there's no blunt way to put it, the rape scenes in this movie. I knew that this movie was very violent sexually. Right. So going into the movie, I was, I think I was mentally prepared for the movie that I was going to see. Um, and I guess, you know, no matter how much you prepare yourself, actually seeing some of the scenes that are depicted in this movie is, uh, is, uh, is 
hellish Yikes. and brutal. Um, but yeah, no, I is excited to talk about this movie because it's, uh, it's I think it's a it's little bit of spoilers. I think it's a really good movie, and uh, yeah, it's one of it's one of Fincher's movies that I feel like isn't talked about too much. Um, maybe I could be wrong on that, but it just discourse for me it feels like Fincher is always around Gone Girl recently. I feel like Gone Girl has kind of overshadowed this a little bit, but um. Mm-hmm. Especially by the fact that this was a franchise, supposed to be a franchise, and it didn't make enough money to get a sequel. So, no. um, so I guess we will. Uh, I guess we'll go into the uh, the plot summary here, uh, and we can talk about the girl with the dragon tattoo. This English language ad- adaptation of the Swedish novel by Stieg Larsson follows a discredited journalist, Mikael Blomqvist, played by da- Daniel Craig, as he investigates the disappearance of a wealthy patriarch's niece from 40 years ago. He is aided by a pierce-tattooed punk computer hacker named Lisbeth Salander, played by Rudy Mara. As they work together in the investigation, Blomquist and Salander uncover immense corruption beyond anything they have ever imagined. That is written by Anonymous on IMDb. Uh, so guys, give me your initial thoughts on The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah, I, 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 I enjoyed this movie. Um, it was, you know, just like emotionally very draining um, I don't know. I, I may have had a different opinion if I had watched it in a movie theater. Um, it, it, it kept my interest, but there was a point where I was like, okay, I need to, you know, step away from this for, like, the day and come back to it tomorrow. Uh, just because it was so much... Um, it's a very intense movie, um, but it's a very interesting movie. It's also a very confusing movie. Uh, it's something that Matt and I were talking about before... Uh, Ryan, you got on the call. Um, yeah, we'll get into that twist, yeah, see if it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's also, like, just uh, what I was saying before is I feel that this movie has a pace, um, and I feel like it really wants to stick to that pace, and it doesn't want to slow down to explain anything to you, uh, which I think works in some cases and doesn't work in some others, but uh, it's it's understandable. Um, but, yeah, overall, really enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, I thought it was fine. I think I might be the most critical of this movie. I was pretty disappointed, actually, because I had pretty high hopes for it. I just, you know, just from seeing some of the promotional material, posters and whatnot, I thought it looked like a pretty cool vibe. And I do think the vibe is cool in this movie. Honestly, if I had to say, like, who won this movie, I think it's Trent Razor and Atticus Rocks, and whoever did the sound editing and mixing. Because, once again, the score slaps, and it delivers. It was so brooding yeah. and very, very effective. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like Brendan, I really was not prepared for this movie. Um, I, I'm hanging out with friends this week, and I, I was, like, suggesting that we all watch this movie, like, really, oh, movie night, and I was like, hey, guys, like, we could, like, watch this movie, and then, like, we ended up not, and we ended up watching, like, some other random films, so glad that we did not watch this movie as a group, because I had uh, no idea how intense it would be, and that would have been such a fucking downer, so, good, good, uh, thankfully, that did not happen, but, uh, I thought Daniel Craig was really good. I thought Rooney Mara was really good, but I just kind of got lost in the plot. Didn't exactly care about some of the things, and the ending I thought was really dumb. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, as I said, I I really like this movie. I think it's quite good. I liked it more on this viewing than I did the first time. I think some of the things started to fall into place in terms of the plot because it is a very like like you guys said, it's a very dense film. There's a lot in there, and uh, it, it takes a lot to keep up with it. And I think a lot of that comes in the adaptation process. This was written by Steve Zalian, who also ad- uh, adapted um, uh, The Irishman last year oh. for Martin Scorsese. Um, got nominated for an Oscar for that. And I think he won an Oscar for another script that he did. It's not coming to me right now. Um, but, yeah, no, it's a it's a very dense film. And it, when you're thinking about an adaptation process, like you can have all these different plot lines and have it be very complicated in a book because you have as much time 
in a book to flush that out, and it doesn't like novels aren't set to the same structures that that movies are. So I think adapting this book was probably pretty difficult because uh, you know you have the main storyline, but also then you have the B plot with um, the reason that Michael is able to or you know able to be hired by the family. Uh, in the first place, because of the disgraced uh, element of the uh, the libel suit, so they felt the need to explain that away. I think in the end, and and it, it caused for a weird fourth act almost um, at the end of the movie that I'm sure we'll talk about. But yeah. let's start it off. Uh, beginning of the movie, we get introduced to uh, Daniel Craig as Michael Bloomquist. Um, he is a disgraced journalist um, for a Swedish newspaper that he I think co-runs with Robin Wright. Right? Seems like correct. It. Sure. Yeah. Um, which they are having an affair, which, <laughs> interesting point, it seems like the husband knows and doesn't care. Who's, wait, um, is Joel fucking cuck? Kinman the husband? No, 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 no. He's randomly no, in this he's... movie, too. That was really weird to see him. He spoke once. Well, it was because he, it was right before he blew up, right before he got major roles. Yeah. yeah. Major roles. But, um. Surprised he didn't drop any Suicide Squad lines on us. Oh god, that's that's probably his worst performance. Honestly, he's not as bad of an actor as as that. This is the um, girl with the dragon tattoo. <laughs> she's got my back. <laughs> now that I think about it, it makes sense that Kinnaman, um got cast then in season three of House of Cards because Fitch oh, created yeah. that show. Um, but no, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting opening. How'd you guys feel about the setup of the plot with Bloomquist and um, the billionaire dude? Um, with a libel suit, and and did this this opening make sense to you with bringing in Elizabeth, um, with the family doing the background check? Uh, what did you guys think of this opening? I thought it was interesting, um, the way that it was kind of framed. You know, like this movie was so like gritty, and, like throughout a lot of it, that I forgot that the premise is basically like you have like you're investigating this crazy family, um, which is you mean Knives Out? <laughs> yeah, but like. I don't know, it, it's it's just kind of interesting, because, like, it's, it feels like the plot of a very different movie, you know? Like, I feel like that concept is not completely congruent with the rest of the film, that in a lot of aspects, uh, you see, you know, this, like... This this sort of like oh like it is an interesting mystery that is like something that probably wouldn't happen normally in in real life as opposed to this like gritty feel throughout the rest of it and and these scenes that we get that you know are just showcasing a lot of that like this underbelly of Sweden I guess um, yeah I, who knew it was so dark there I know who knew it was so dark that maybe the Swedes knew and we just haven't maybe they did they've been hiding it from us <laughs> um. But yeah, I, th- I thought that was was kind of an interesting setup. I know what you mean, Brendan. Like, uh, on one hand, this is like an investigative, nitty-gritty, you know, read-between-the-lines, sifting-through-paperwork kind of movie. But then at the same time, we've got all this stuff going on with Rooney Mara's character before she officially crosses line with Daniel Craig. For me, those two things didn't quite flesh or um, uh, coalesce yeah. that well in, in the beginning. Um, so, I you know, I just... I've always said Fincher is so great at like captivating me and kind of pulling me into a pace, you know, read Social Network. But I just I didn't get into it this time. I like just I just I didn't feel like that spark was there. I don't know if it was maybe the actors, you know, because it is essentially you know kind of some of the same stuff that he was doing in Social Network. We're cutting in between meetings, and this person's walking here. It's just a lot of talking. Uh, but for me, this beginning wasn't. I you know I love Daniel Craig and I love Rooney Mara, but it just wasn't super 
into it, I just found myself zoning out a lot in this movie, which I was really, really surprised by, honestly. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear what you say on repeat viewing, Matt, because a lot of what you're saying right now is how I felt on first mm-hmm. viewing. Like, I don't necessarily, like, know what all was happening here, but I really liked the vibe. I did like the vibe, And I really yeah. liked the cinematography and the performances, and there were individual scenes that I really liked. But going back on rewatching it, everything in the beginning makes a lot more sense on rewatch. Okay. Like, and I don't... I don't know if you it, like. I don't know who to knock on that. I don't know if it's my fault. I don't know if it's Fincher's fault, and I don't know if it's Zalian's fault. Like, I don't know, like, if it's what what level was it? Like, was I just not paying attention well enough the first time I saw it, or was this thing confusingly presented by Fincher, or is it confusingly presented by Zalian? And going back, like, I didn't even realize the first time I saw it that um, Rooney that. Elizabeth was had investigated um, Bloomquist before that meeting. Like I like when that meeting was happening, I'm like, oh. At the end of it, I was like, oh, were they talking about Michael the entire time? Like I, I didn't understand why they would be doing that because I didn't have any precursor for what the plot was gonna be. Um, so I do think it's confusingly laid out in some ways. But on repeat viewing, everything knowing everything's gonna tie in later, and and seeing them on the paths that will eventually cross. Um, there are definitely. I think that the beginning definitely works better for me now on second viewing, but um, just real quick. I mean, we're introduced to uh, a lot of the main characters here. Uh, I think Daniel Craig is really great in this He's film. Really uh, I always love seeing him away from the James Bond series. I mean, I love him as James Bond, but yeah. whenever whenever a, an actor becomes so synonymous with a role, the way bon- uh, Craig has as Bond, as I just said, his name was Bond. Craig Bond. Um, Craig Bond. Craig Bond, which we're gonna do eventually when No Time to Die comes out, okay. and you know. Whenever theaters are open again, which we'll see. Yeah, seriously. I, God, I hope it's sooner than that. Um, but, yeah, we'll do those movies eventually. But I, I really love Daniel Craig in here. I love when he is just – when he's outside the, uh, the Bond series and doing his thing and being really good, I think, in this movie. Yeah, I agree. And we should, we should get to Rooney Mara now because I feel like she's kind of the – the sure. centerpiece of this movie and should we get this we get like a cool introduction with her where like they're talking about her but we haven't seen her yet and there's like these cool shots of like you know we, this is kind of repeats throughout the movie but behind her left ear with the earring she's going up the elevator she's walking with the guard she's got the massive mohawk um for, i thought she was great in this movie i love rooney mara and basically everything and this is like a total change from anything she had ever done before this and was has like done breakout, since wasn't it you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess Social Network, you could call her Breakout, but, like, this was certainly her first, like, big lead. And I thought she really nailed it. I thought she was great. Yeah, no, she's fantastic in this film, and I think she does a... I haven't seen Numi Rapace. I mean, this is a role that also blew up Numi Rapace. I mean, she was just a... I think just a Swedish actor that kind of, like, blew up in America because of the success of that film. I could be wrong on that, though. Well, um, her, her... Rooney Mara's sister is Kate Mara. Right. Yes, and I was just about to say that. Yeah. He also blew up Kate Mara, who's her sister, uh, oh, no. from season one of the House of Cards. She blew him up. Uh, she was also an American Horror Story. She was the, oh, really? The crazy, uh, the one that, uh, what's his name, had an affair with, and then he, they killed her. And, spoilers. Mm, interesting. Spoilers for yeah, American no, Horror she, Story she And one. also, spoilers, she dies in House of Cards as well, very early on. Yeah. Did she get um, blown up, like you said? Eh, kind of. Oh, my um, God. A little bit. Um, depending on the way you think about it. Um... But no, yeah, she, uh, so I guess he had a good relationship with Rooney and was like, hey, I'll cast your sister in House of Cards. Um, Rooney Mara is engaged to Joaquin Phoenix. They just right? had a baby. I think they're married, aren't they? They just had a baby. Oh, are they married? Yeah, oh they're, they're married. That's so And they named it after River Phoenix, Joaquin's late brother. Oh, that's nice. Oh. Um, that's pure. No, yeah, and I, I, I think it's interesting to compare 
the kind of performance here that we got from Rooney Mara to Joaquin Phoenix. I think it is a very they're they're very much in the same vein. I think it feel it seems to me what, like that she Joker? had to go very deep into character. Probably she had to do a very intense character, kind of like uh, Joker. Joaquin does all the time. Oh. Yeah, Joker, the Master, you never really all those kind of films. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, another while we're referencing other things, really weird to think about the movie Her with uh, Rudy Mara and Joaquin Phoenix that came out uh, two years after this um, because they play a, a divorce a divorced couple. Exes, yeah. Um, yeah. Side note there, but no, yeah, I think I think this is a very uh, in that same family of performance there. I think Rooney Mara really just dives right in and goes for it. I mean, and th- this call, this this role calls for a lot of very intense emotion and very brutal things to happen to her on screen. And it, from what I could tell, she she did it. Like it doesn't seem like there's a lot of doubling here. It seems like she actually put herself out there. Which you know, we can talk about the ethics of showing what what they showed, but. I think in terms of a performance, I think you got to commend the performer for going for it. I was uh, I was watching this movie on Amazon, and it does the little X-ray thing, and like I never really use that, but sometimes it pulls up commentary. So I decided to like like kind of look and see what it said during the opening credits, and it said that that Rooney Mara got her nipples pierced for this movie because wow. in the in the book it said that Elizabeth had her nipples pierced, and she wanted to be true to that, and I was like, wow true commitment to the role i also Hardcore. read that um when they were kind of casting the movie and trying to pro- convince producers and whatnot to fund the film david fincher told rooney mara to go out and get really drunk one night and then come in the next morning for the meeting like completely hungover and looking like very bedraggled and apparently that worked and she got the role <laughs> wow that makes sense yeah it, I, she does kind of have that vibe throughout the entire thing and i thought you were gonna say she has a, that vibe as a person <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure she's a pleasant person. I'm sure she's a wonderful person. She seems nice. Um, but no, yeah. So, I guess I guess what's left to talk about here in the beginning is like the libel case. Like, I don't know. How did you guys feel about this case? Did, it kind of felt like a generic setup just to get yep. Bloomquist. Uh, it kind of felt like something that would normally get someone off of a police force and then doing private investigator work. You're but here instead, it's getting him. Bloomquist. Exactly, but instead here he's getting kicked out of his own paper and he's doing. He gets hired to be an investigative journalist, basically. Yeah. Um, I dug it. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's cool. Um, I, I don't know if I needed it to come back later, though. I guess we'll get to it. Um, That's fair. But, yeah, so he gets hired um, by the family, which I cannot remember their name for the life of me all of a sudden the now. Wagners. that I This, uh, yeah, no. the yeah. Vagners? Wagners? Wagners. Yeah. Wagners. Um, oh, it's V-A-N-G-E-R. Vanger. Vanguards. Vanguards. That's what it was. Um, we got there. Um, so he gets taken up to their estate, and uh, he's hired by Christopher Plummer. Um, the, the dude is just, like, I feel like for the past 15 years, just been the old guy in movies oh, so for so long. And he doesn't look like he's getting older. It's like, true. this dude just kind of seems like he hit, like, 80 and is just coasting at 80 for right now. And I, I think he's over 90 years old now at this Shit. point. But he is just, he is awesome. And he's he's fantastic in this movie. Yeah, he's great. Um, I like this stuff. thought it was, you know, I thought it was interesting getting to meet the whole family. I definitely couldn't really keep up with everything. He's 90. Um just because like everyone had these Swedish names and I was trying to keep track of it and there were just so many things going on and as the movie progresses it gets 
more confusing, and I was still like, I don't know what's happening, which I think might have fed some of my disinterest in the plot. But I counter with, it looked really cool, and the performances were really no, good. The vibe in this entire movie is so cool. And also, we totally skipped over this, but we should briefly mention it. The absolutely fucking wacky opening credits, where... Oh, where yeah. Karen O sings "Immigrant Song" by Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin. which was wacky because I I know I love Karen O and her like her, her her stuff outside of this movie and it's all very folky and acoustic. She did the soundtrack for "Where the Wild Things Are," and then I was like, "Wait, mm. immigrant song? Okay." Paired with the disturbing, <laughs> oh, gross visuals that were going on, it was that was something else. Yeah, yeah. like the inky black kind of mass just moving around. Yeah, I think it did a good job of really setting the tone it for did. what you were gonna get. It did. I mean, if you didn't know what the girl with the dragon tattoo was going to be going into it, when you saw that credit sequence, it'd be like, oh, this is going to be dark. Um, yep. So, so we get, yeah, like you said, the setup with all this, this Swedish stuff. I think it made sense to me in terms of, okay, she disappeared. I want to find her before I die, basically, t- type of thing. Like, can you can you do something about it? And I think that, that made sense enough to me. I didn't need to know all the ins and outs of the family. Um, but I will say this stuff... Thinking about this movie critically, in this middle, like, 40 minutes before Lisbeth and Michael cross paths, it's like, did we need the stuff with the social worker? Yeah. Like, thinking back on it, they are very, I mean, obviously they are very brutal scenes to watch. Yeah. It is horrifying to see. And I can justify it in terms of showing it as a film if it directly plays into, like, the plot. Like Like, if this is essential to the story but now that i'm thinking about it i didn't even think about this the first time i watched it thinking about it now after the second time i don't think it really adds much to the plot i don't know if it adds much to her character i Um, mean we we get that she has trauma people mention that i think she makes it pretty clear through her performance that she's had like a very troubled past and that's what i was saying like these two things just didn't really mesh well for me um and I was they did well later for okay. me but in this section I agree. and I was waiting for there to be some sort of direct correlation I mean other than the, just this theme of sexual violence in the movie um, yeah. you know I didn't really see it and for me I did feel like the scene was gratuitous um, I just thought it, I thought it was much I thought it was a bit much I agree but then you know I can counter that my own point by saying well I mean the retaliation by the female character to that Bo- scene yeah, both is like are maybe intense. even more gratuitous, you know, like, or like just yeah. as violent and gruesome. So I don't, I don't know, but it was really hard to watch. Was the thing? It feels to me like no. that's supposed to be empowering, um, you know, to see the person getting raped, uh, basically uh, uh, brutalizing their rapist. Um, but I, I don't, I'm not really sure how it reads and if it actually adds anything to the film other yeah. than being like, look at that. I did it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and and I don't love the morality of like doing like doing it back to him in terms of like I don't know. I'm a very pacifistic type of person in the first place, where it kind of feels a little backwards also to then do it back to him. But in terms of what your point, Matt, in terms of that is like obviously, I think both scenes are equally brutal. They're, yeah. I think they're I in terms of this movie, in terms of like showing violence against women, I think this movie is actually very. Um, it, it, it doesn't it, it doesn't feel like it's fetishized in any way um, because it, it feels like at least for the Elizabeth character like she gets revenge and then she's a badass throughout the rest of the movie like it doesn't feel like the movie was necessarily I don't know yeah I think the, it, it didn't feel yeah, I think I think what we're saying is just the problem lies like 
just was like, how is this going to tie in? It just didn't yeah. quite. So, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it, it didn't feel like, oh, my God, I'm watching this, like, gross, like, director, like, just objectifying this rape. It felt like, why am I watching this in the first place, more or less? Yeah, that's know? fair. Um, Especially because it's the second time, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I think it would have been one thing. I don't know. Maybe if you're really going for the point. Like, the one scene in The Office almost felt like it was, That's, like, yeah. okay, I get the point. Yeah. Like, I get the idea. I, I understand maybe this would be happening on the side. I don't know if I need to see it. Um, and especially because, yeah, it ties in. Like, I'm trying to think of it. It really ties in zero. Right? I mean, she threatens I mean, the guy again. She It's the money to survive. I, I mean, I, the, I mean, I guess the point is that she's, like, she's poor. She doesn't really have any. Maybe the con- maybe it's to show the contrast later on when she's like it you know like having consensual sex with Daniel Craig and to mm-hmm. show like oh look she can be happy or yeah which we can talk about whether book, we but... whether that was we forced or not but yeah <laughs> yeah I think I I think it plays into the the theme of the movie is that men suck yeah that which was I think fair. you know perfectly good theme to have that was um, that was the takeaway yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it felt like that was really what what ultimately the the theme turned out to be, especially if you're looking at the very end, um, with the last the very last scene. But yeah, I don't know. I think in, in the end, very brutal scenes, intense to watch. I think well, it's hard to say that they were well done, but maybe you know, cinematically they were. I mean, super brutal to watch, and it's, and then that's what they were going for, so it succeeded in that way. But. In the end, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna end on the side of just it it, it wasn't necessary to the plot, yeah. but um, moving on we can we can now that we cover that I think it's safe to, to move on. But yeah, th- this middle section of like the beginning of the investigation I think is actually done very well. I like um, I like everything with Dan- with Michael in this in this section. I think he's again I think Craig's a very good gives a very good performance in this movie, and it's it's very easy to just to watch him do his thing setting up this investigation meeting these different people uh getting the flashbacks is very interesting and i get pulled into um this missing girl story and um i don't know about you guys we don't have to necessarily talk about the ending now but i don't think this was very predictable um i think it was predictable that selling Skarsgård was going to be the bad guy um, because you don't just randomly it's like oh there's daniel craig christopher Plummer, selling Skarsgård, and no one else in the yeah. family is a recognizable <laughs> name so <laughs> i think Hmm, unless it's Christopher Plummer, it's going to be Stellan Skarsgård. But I, th- I do think they subvert that in some ways. Yeah. In an interesting way, late in the film. But I think that it wasn't predictable in terms of where it actually went, but in terms of being like, hey, Stellan Skarsgård's going to be a bad guy. That was pretty Stellan telegraphed. I, don't make me float, daddy. Exactly. I agree. Yeah, I think, can we can we jump, just kind of skip around a bit here? Just because I, I have some questions about the ending that will sure. affect my discussion of the rest of the movie. Because i got to say, I was kind of confused so for clarification at the end of the so like the girl the, the harriet did not die she went she she ran away because she was being sexually assaulted by her father who is christopher Plummer, as well no no not christopher Plummer. no who's the dad father oh okay okay yeah. so, so when she smacked him on the head that he died yes yeah because remember when they're walking around um on the they're walking around on the estate uh, Daniel Craig and Christopher Plummer, he says, uh, Daniel Craig is like, oh, is it possible that she fell in the water and just washed up somewhere? And he was like, no, because when her father drowned, 
drowned, he only, like, waited ten meters further from where he fell okay, in. Okay, I was confused by that. Okay, not her dad. Um, no, but that's her uncle, uncle though. Okay, B- but her her brother was assaulting her as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, she killed him. She thought it, it was still in She thought it would go away, but then it was still him. Yes, okay. But she, but, but he didn't kill her, and he was surprised, and so she just, she just, dis- so she just disappeared, and they didn't, but, but Daniel no. Craig was able to find her so easily, but they couldn't? I think... What, how does that... So, okay, so the way that I think that the, the plot lines up is that she ran she ran away with the help of one of her cousins. Yeah. She ran away. And she ran away uh, with the help of one of her... That's an old reference. Mm-hmm. Um, with the help of one of her cousins. They had two different passports, I believe, uh, that they frauded one of them, and then they got into America... I think right. they might have been both fake. Yeah. They under the same name. They got into America under the same name, and then they were leading different lives. And then the cousin died, and she fully took over her life. The cousin died in a car accident. She took over her identity. Yeah, I thought huh. that so. It was, she was no switched, longer Harriet. I thought that they like switched their first and last names. So like that that might have been what it was. But then wouldn't the family know if she took on her identity? guess maybe maybe it was a friend not a cousin okay was it a friend maybe I, brendan no they were i thought that was like her mom no it wasn't her mom her mom's been dead or something i don't remember i don't know exactly what the relation to the other person was but basically someone smuggled her out yeah they were they used similar identities and then that person died so, when, so she took over completely. so when daniel craig was first interviewing her before he knew that she was harriet she was saying that she was a cousin yeah, no, I think that is. I think it was a cousin that died, and she took over her. Okay, I yeah. guess I was just surprised that she wasn't more scared when he came to interview her. Like, I, and I was surprised maybe he didn't bring. I think she was. I think looking at it on a second time, I think that performance is actually really good. Okay, all right. I was just shocked that like they didn't know that she just existed there in London or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I think. Again, I think this is things that that you'll pick up on a second viewing. I think the performance by she's good. Oh, uh, I want to credit her. I don't want to just say that girl. She was good. Um, Julie Richardson. She was fantastic. Um, she was. Yeah, good. I didn't want to just yeah be like oh that blonde woman that narrows it down in this Swedish movie. Um, but no, yeah, I think she's really fantastic. And every time that actually he does go to interact with her throughout the movie, you can see how just tensed up she is the entire time okay. and, and on first viewing it for me it worked because it was like oh she she obviously wants nothing to do with this family so that's why she's all tense but on repeat viewing it's like oh they're, he's gonna find out you know uh, what happened and I think I don't know I, I don't know if there is an easy way around to like why didn't the family figure it out um, other than the fact that they didn't um, but I think in terms of what it took to get there in terms of the film plotting to get there I think it makes sense in the end I think kind of but also just the investigating the actual investigation of the movie is so interesting um for me it didn't it didn't pique my interest until Rooney Mara and Daniel Craig started working together sure but that was only like what 45 minutes it was to a, I, a two hour and 45 minute I movie like it was a lot longer than that actually because I, I, I watched it in two parts and when and I was I had like an, a good like I had like an hour left before they crossed paths um, but, but either way, I, um, I think that their dynamic was really cool. And I thought that first scene together is so good. I think, I think they're really great together when he goes into the, the, yeah, yeah. I, I think when he cool. goes into her apartment. Yeah. I love when he goes so, into the great apartment. scene. Yeah, I, I agree. 
when he's like, I brought breakfast, we need to talk. Like, yeah. just the, the mm-hmm. way, how matter-of-fact he was. Get rid of your girlfriend. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's like, mm, come on, we need to talk. Yeah, I just, I think that was one of Daniel Craig's actually, like, best scenes when he wasn't I just, having to be, like, a brooding guy. Yeah, you know? I, I also love the fact that he just shows up as if, like, she was expecting him already. Yeah. And he's just like, what are you doing? I brought breakfast, come on, let me yeah. in. And- <laughs> And I love how his point in that scene is she's like, you can't just do this. He's like, you know me better than any other person knows me, totally so you do don't this. get to talk to me like that. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, again, like you said, it plays into the fact that they have a really interesting relationship and a really fun dynamic on screen. And, um, yeah, I think the I think the valid thing to talk about here with this relationship, beyond just the fact that they have, they have great chemistry, both performances are really good, um, and, and the plot really kicks in when they meet each other, is... Did they need to have a sexual relationship? I'm assuming it came from the book. I think I'm assuming that that's why it was. I'm assuming it was. When I was looking up but quotes it, to do the cold open, they were talking about Lizbeth being like in love and realizing what love is. So I assume that it makes more sense in the book, maybe. Yeah. See, I, and and I think for me, it, 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 I I'm assuming it makes more sense in the book because here I didn't feel that relationship. I felt a, a friendship from them. Come on. Well. I mean, no, she. I mean, hey, being bisexual, perfectly, uh, perfectly oh, awesome. But trust. um, <laughs> perfectly awesome. Exactly. Um, but no, yeah, no, it, it didn't bother me that way. It'd be like, oh, she was with a woman, now she's in love with a man. It was more it of like I didn't just, I just didn't get that vibe from them, you know, until until she like just took her clothes off yeah, and started having sex with him. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, no, obviously. I think the um, friendship vibe would have worked. I just wanted to clarify for the no. for everyone back home. I knew what you meant. I think the friendship vibe would have worked better. And also, more so than them having sex, what rubbed me the wrong way was, like, the scene where they were both laying in bed, and and she was like, he was like, oh, like, you have trauma. And he, and she was like, why, oh, why are you a state of the ward? And she's like, oh, because I'm, like, mentally incompetent. I can't take care of myself. And, like, I just, like, I, and I it's not that I'm, like, resisting the movie's desire to like humanize her like deepen her character but i just felt like it was like she is a badass she's already a really complex character i just do we always have to like make the female character appealing or sympathetic by making like i I just felt a little like oh look at her she's mentally incompetent she can't can't take care of herself just the way that the scene was framed i was like no like she's so cool on her own i think to me i took that as a like almost like a rejection of that scene in terms of like anytime they talked about that kind of thing I think it became more and more clear to me that that wasn't actually the case and that this was a failing of the government and that that's kind of what she was saying is like oh apparently I'm mentally incompetent and can't take care of myself because I'm you know an orphaned girl um who tried you know I guess did try to kill her father but um which is you know not great um but I don't. I don't think I ever got into the context of why that happened. I would assume by the themes of the movie that he probably was doing a similar thing that yeah. um, was happening to uh, Harriet. But I think making that connection clearer would have, I think, made everything make more sense um, instead of just having the audience guess. Um, but I think in terms of in terms of what you're saying there, Matt, I think it it makes sense to me in terms of like I don't actually think that that's what the movie was trying to say yeah it never it never worked for me I just think that they had such a good they had such a good dynamic as friends and also just you know when they were like when they were when they were hooking up I think that there was a cool dynamic there as well like it was just you know it was kind of jagged they were just not like completely lovey-dovey with each other obviously because they're two like very intense people I thought it was really cool and I just I was like why did we need the scene but yeah 
Yeah, like, once once they did start having a romantic relationship, I was like, okay. I just didn't think that leading up to it, that's where it was going. Like, I was super thrown off. When she, like, started taking off her clothes, I was like, wait, are, are you doing uh, sorry, this to, what? like... Like, my initial thought was, Stop. like, oh... Because it's after he gets shot in the woods, right? It's after selling Skarsgård, you know, it's harder to miss than to hit. Um, miss closely than to hit, you know? So he's getting taped up, all those things. It, I thought maybe it was, like the idea of like oh i'm gonna have sex with him so that if someone's coming in the house you know they'll, they'll turn away or whatever yeah. that's where my brain went it was like this was a distraction by whoever was hunting him but then looking back on it it was like oh no it was actually just like nah, randomly just after i yeah randomly after i like stitched your wound from getting shot i just want a bone just like now i was just like it's just it felt weird the heart wants what it wants I guess. I guess the heart wants what it wants, Elizabeth, and she wanted Daniel Craig, which, I mean, like, you know, I get it, but, like, also at the same time, like, weird timing. Fair. Um, but, yeah, no, and I think, I think their dynamic within the investigation gets really good. I love the moment when, and again, I think this is good screenwriting here, where he, they, they drop the idea that he's not religious and that his daughter is religious, and that's a weird kind of a, you know, a not normal thing for his I family. thought that was his wife at first. She does not look like his daughter. She looks so really? old. Yeah. No, I, 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 I thought that really? was Really? Oh, daughter. I was so thrown I, off. Yeah. Um, and it, it also makes sense, then, for why the family never figured out the connections to the other things, because none of, they, they state, too, like, oh, we're not religious. Um, to have, like, just that drop line of, like, oh, the Bible verse is on, on that wall, or whatever. I love, um... I love the way the plot just, like, for me, that's the moment, I think, where it's just like, yes, this movie's awesome, and then everything that kicks in from there is just really, really cool. Yeah. Nice. I feel like they were trying to capture that social network pace, that breakneck speed. Just didn't really drive with me until this... To me, it felt more like Zodiac. Really? Oh, uh, yeah. This film is relentless, though, when they're going I through agree. the papers, and it, they do a lot of the... Okay, it feels like the first 45 minutes of They Zodiac. do a lot of the... That's fair. Sure. They do a lot of the same, like, cutting back and forth between two things happening. Like, we have Elizabeth flipping through pages here, and we've got What's-His-Face looking through the photographs here, and they're both tying in the same sort of connection. Maybe it's just David Fincher's style, now that I think about it. It is, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just David Fincher's style. But, um, yeah, it, it, it was interesting. I did, I really liked Elizabeth stuff. And once again, the vibe. Like, we, like, the music is broody. I just love the music so much. It's very electronic. It's like, randomly, it's just like, like, you're like a crackling, like a, some sort of tape or something. Um, and Elizabeth is riding around on the motorcycle. I think some, like, just great vibes all around. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, it's a cool vibe. And, and when it, when it starts getting towards, um, towards the point where they're figuring it out and they they start going to the you know they go to the detective he talks about all the rebecca cases those kind of things this is where the the intrigue for me is really really ramping up um but i guess we haven't really talked about selling scars yet i guess we could talk about him um he's really good in this movie as we talked about super telegraph that he was going to be a bad guy in some way um but, I, you know, Stellan Skarsgård plays the slimy guy really well. Um, he does. So, I mean, what are you guys' thoughts on Stellan Skarsgård and his character? I think he literally plays a slimy guy in Dune. <laughs> he, yeah, he is literally going to play a slimy yeah. guy. Slimy boy. He, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he was, he was good. He was interesting. I, I thought it was fun that, like, you know, we got another David Fincher serial killer. Uh, Cheers. Introduced to one. It's kind of fun. Yeah, he's great. 
Um, especially once we get like the full killer reveal, which is like, did not expect it to go that hard. Did not expect Stellan to go off that much, but he did, and it was disturbing. <laughs> see, but he kind of doesn't. He it's so subdued well, he's when he does that to, scene. Though. But yeah, well, he, oh yeah, you can see it. Yeah, yeah, you can see it boiling, which is what makes it so. Good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah, no that 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 moment where everything converges, where. Elizabeth is investigating, you know, fig- putting all the different locations together. Be like, oh my god, these murders are lining up uh, to locations of the plants and stuff like that. So the, the murderers in the family, right to when you know that he's gonna come home and that Daniel Craig's gonna get caught by him. Yeah, but it's so tense. Uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, fantastic moment when he slips and falls, and then they just have that cordial uh, interaction. He invites him in for a drink, and it leads to what I think is one of the best scenes in the movie, where. Uh, or best lines of the movie where Stellan Skarsgård is like, you put yourself in this situation. You are more afraid of being rude than of dying. That, that's a that really moment. great line. I did like that a lot. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's kind of a true thing in the human psyche. Yeah. Like, we'll put ourselves in situations that we know we shouldn't be in because we are afraid to be seen as rude. It is true. Um, Let this be a lesson, kids. <laughs> exactly, yes. Learn from uh, Daniel Craig almost getting choked out by a a bag while getting hung up oh, in, a, in a morgue. What, one of um, my favorite shots in the movie, right? When when he walks into that dark room and you just see Stalin turn on like the, the lights and the gas flows out and then it's just a quick close-up of him putting the mask on. And just so mm. the, a great two shots there. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And and once and once everything starts up on the torture it's so intense. And this is I mean this like I said, this is the scene that Stellan Skarsgård gets to just completely mash on the chew uh chew on the scenery when when he's when he's talking about like oh yeah remember when we have that nice dinner upstairs yeah some random girl was down here in that cage and i murdered her that later that night i was like damn but at the same time where he was like you know he was going through all this talking about it um you could see how he was getting frustrated though you could see like everything getting pent like everything like building and building within uh stellan skarsgård's performance and that's why i think he's so good in this scene where it's not just he's not just being a maniacal villain and he's not just being a normal like cold serial killer like he's he is that middle ground where it's it's just about to boil over um i mean the scene's brutal you know that daniel craig's not gonna die but when whenever someone's suffocating on screen always tough to watch always like feel like you can't breathe yourself Yeah, whenever Um, i get a pov shot of someone with a plastic bag over their head trying to breathe oh my god uh, and, and whenever someone's drowning, I'm like, I'm drowning, but no, I'm not. I'm breathing fine. Like, oh, that was so like, and just like the design choices, I thought were so effective because, like, it's not like he just had Daniel Craig tied up to a tree or tied up to a chair or something. Like, he was in like one of the most awkward torture positions I've ever seen. Like the way he they, he put him in that neck brace and his shoulders were back a bit, but his arms were free. Like, it just it mm-hmm. hurt me. Like, it hurt to see that and then even like when he pointed to the cage like it wasn't even like a normal chicken coop cage it just had these like ridiculously like smooth cylinder bars and i was just like oh everything about this the the, the design of this lair was oh gross a very specific aesthetic very good yeah. yeah yeah and and i think i mean i don't want to take too much away from craig in this scene either because like that's a hard thing to pull off too like being in that situation as an actor i'm sure that's not like it oh yeah i'm just gonna sit here and pretend to be tortured like it's really good i love the way it's intercut with elizabeth in the library figuring everything out rushing to to try to save him getting getting to the cottage and he's not there Mm -hmm. um 
all of this stuff is fantastic. And again, this is the climax of the movie. This is uh, this is about 40 minutes from the end, but it is the climax. Um, as we said, this movie has a weird structure, but yeah, that that whole interaction when he starts recording him and he's like, "Come on, you're a journalist. Ask me questions." I I love all of that. But when Lisbeth gets down there, it, another shot that I love, Matt. It's that high angle shot. You see Lisbeth come in. You you see Stellan Skarsgård keep talking and then just whip around and just get absolutely socked in the face by that golf club. Yeah. And the special effects that they did on Stellan Skarsgård's yeah. face are disgusting. Like the way you could see the golf club outline and like broken skin and then his jaw completely unhinged is just disgusting. Really effective. Yeah, I completely agree. And just a very like tactile violence in this movie. Like you you mm-hmm. felt that golf ball smack. Club. Yeah, and, and and one one thing too is what I love about the aesthetic of the uh, of the lair is that seeing everything be stark white and everything the way you see it set up set up you can imagine exactly what was happening there before. Ugh. Like when he mentions like all the towels, like you can just see the way that the the you know you you can make the visual of your in your mind of the blood on the floor and all that the the gross shit. Um, but yeah, I just want I just wanted to point that out that anytime there's a sterile gross layer like that you can always just you don't need to see it yeah. like the director never needs to show you like a, a f- quick flash of like what was happening at that time you know he just shows you the empty cage like he doesn't need to show you what was actually happening because your brain will always show yourself show you something scarier than what the director can put on screen. this is true um yeah. which is i think is something that you know people should uh some horror movies should uh should think about yeah, when they're making gory scenes at haunted um, mansion <laughs> exactly terrifying film. Go back and listen to that review. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, that's that's gross. And, and okay, so I, what I do like about it, this scene is it kind of shows you that Lisbeth is the main character after all of this because, yeah, Daniel Craig is Daniel Craig is the damsel in, in distress in this movie. He's the one that got captured that has to go get saved by Lisbeth, which is great. Sure. Um, a great chase scene in the car yeah. with the, the bike. Beautifully shot by Fincher. I'm sure not easy to do all in nighttime with the snow and all that stuff, but and, and everyone, you know, it's a dark car. She's wearing dark clothing, but it still comes across really well. Yep. Um, and when she forces him off the road, I did not expect his car just to blow up and for him to die. Um, very surprised by that. What did, what did you guys think about this? Especially being this, like, there's 25 minutes left in the movie. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was surprising. I was confused. I was like, where is this movie going to go? Um, yeah, I thought the car chase was great, especially since they're going over the bridge that kind of is a centerpiece in the Harriet story. Um, I, I, Which we didn't talk about that moment. in the, yeah. in the We should talk about that then. Um, I, I think it's terrifying as when the car blows up for like the first two seconds, you hear Stellan Skarsgård screaming and then he just stops. Yes. Ugh. Yep. yes. No, an amazing, amazing sound mix there great choice because you don't normally hear that you don't it's just normally boom they're dead completely yeah that's why it stood out to me i was like that is oh that, that's probably how it actually is yeah 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 you, you probably don't die just like that yeah no but yeah we should talk about that moment in the uh in the lair where he's explaining everything and he's like oh like hell you killed harriet and he's like oh you know who killed harriet um yeah it kind of makes everything here a little random doesn't it yes You're like oh you just stumbled upon a serial killer not Harriet's still serial killer, just another just serial killer. One of them. Yeah. yeah. And also, I just... Maybe it's just because of my first viewing. Cause, but I thought that some of these threads were a little 
week when with the investigation it was like oh i see a man in a photo and i'm gonna just like ask people who he is in a retirement home i don't know i just i i was i was confused by like why daniel craig was like so sure once he saw like someone in a photo um but yeah i get what you're saying for me it still worked though i didn't have any problems with it there yeah but i i can understand how you you would not it's it's different. Like I said, everything in the investigation in this movie worked for me. Yeah, I, it's it didn't for me, and I, it's different because like like I said, Social Network is a lot of it is sort of like an investigation with the lawyers hashing out details, and it's very very dense. But I think the difference is that we know where Social Network is going, and we know the end because it jumps back and forth between the end of the beginning and this one. We're just kind of long for the ride, and I don't think the screenplay is anywhere near as good. So it just wasn't as. Oh, I'm gonna give course. you that. Yeah. I don't think it's anywhere near yeah. as good as Social Most Network. It's one of my favorite Most movies. movies are. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, you you can only make an all timer movie a couple times in a career, and I think he's done that. But no, yeah, I, I, it, it works for me. Brennan, how'd you feel about the overall, just the investigation in the film? Did it work for you? Did it lose you? I thought, um, you know, for being an investigation, they really ramped up the scenes a lot, um, just in terms of like. The way that it was shot and the music and stuff, it was like super intense reading. And I was like, oh, cool. I, <laughs> this is really, really entertaining. Um, and then they didn't really, you know, explain a lot. So it was like, look how intense this is. We're not going to tell you what's happening, but look how intense it is. Uh, what, what parts did you think they didn't explain? You know, I mean, a lot of the stuff that Matt was talking about, how it was just like, how, like, how did they become so sure just from, like, those photographs, like... I didn't mm-hmm. really understand entirely how they were, like, gaining a lot of this information and why they would even believe some of those things, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I missed something, I don't know. No, I think you guys are, I think you're p- at least picking something up that this is confusing on a first viewing, because I, I felt the same way that it was confusing on the first viewing. I feel like I got it more this time, and I feel like I'll get it more next time, because I'm sure I'll watch this movie again at some point. It's a David Fincher movie. Um, and I own it now because I bought it for this viewing. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think in some ways, I mean, I'll look for that in my next viewing of this movie. See if it makes sense that they were able to make those jumps at that time. But, um, I guess I guess the only thing that's really left here is this last, like, 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. What were you guys' thoughts on this, this ending? Yeah, it just didn't work for me. Um, I did. I thought it was just, um put a little tacked on um you know it's like okay we've 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 done this like we got we got this part wrapped up with stone scars guard but then we need to do this thing with the libel suit and amend this and i felt like you know the whole thing with rooney mara putting on the outfit and going and depositing the money in the bank accounts and then withdrawing it or whatever was cool vibe wise but like they were really trying to go for like the cool girl monologue montage scene like i yeah. it definitely has that same sort of vibe but just nowhere near that same sort of energy i just like i really wanted to be invested in it but i just wasn't quite although rooney mara is great throughout it um but just yeah i just i felt like all of this was really tacked on yeah and i was a little Brennan? bit confused about the connections between the, the libel suit guy and then the family if you can clear that up <laughs> I assume that part of this was to make room for the sequels, considering there are, what, like, two other books in the series? Yeah, it's a trilogy. Um, I think they even, I think he might have written a fourth. Possibly. I don't know why something in, in my head is saying that he wrote a fourth. I, yeah, 
I, I'm not sure what the other ones are. Regardless of the number of books, there are more, is the point. Um, but, I, you know, I mean, the reason that it kind of leaves off on this, like, whatever note, I think, is to make it open to, oh, like, what's going to happen next? There's supposed to be a continuation of these characters. But as this being, like, a finite kind of thing, I actually, until you said it, I thought that they had made the sequels uh, to this movie, and I just hadn't seen them. But that's kind of disappointing, because it, it definitely, like, the ending of this movie is to open itself up for, to uh, to the other books in the series. I mean, you can watch the uh, the original trilogy. They made all three of them into movies in Sweden. Yeah. Um, but, okay, I just looked it up. There was three written by that author, the original author, and then there's three other books written by a different author. Oh, okay. Um, what? I don't know. I don't know if the author died, maybe? Probably. Let me look. Yeah, he died. Nope. So that makes sense. Bye. R.I.P. Um, he did a lot of journalistic work on uh, extreme right-wing activism. Interesting. Cool. saw that as a pop-up on the... Uh, I on his Wikipedia page, but yeah, no, Steve, uh, he, Larson died, so, uh, that's why, uh, someone else had to continue the series, but, uh, yeah, I think in terms of the, the ending of this movie, okay, first, again, first viewing, I had basically Matt's reaction to this movie, like, it, it's kind of weird to hear Matt, like, basically say my thoughts back to me the first time I saw it, um, it didn't work for me the first time, but this time, I don't know, maybe just because I knew it was coming, um, seeing the way things were, were playing out, and I knew that this was going to be the resolution to uh, Lisbeth and Michael's relationship, I think it worked at, on that level. Yeah. Um, I I really like the cool girl parallel thing that you're talking about. I think that scene's really cool. It's all of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's yeah, it's Rooney Mara. I forgot that you looked like that. <laughs> um, when you don't have all the, uh, the piercings and the tattoos and the makeup on. But um, I, th- I thought that sequence was really cool. Like, I... I one of my favorite scenes between the two actors is just when they're in that cafe and she asks for the money. I think that's just such a naturalistic scene between the two of them. I think both of them use that just, just so well. They have great chemistry. Um, yeah. I don't know. Just, yeah, regardless. And um, that kind of leads into my one of my main critiques about this ending is that I, I really hated this whole, like, oh, I'm going to buy him a leather jacket, and then, oh, he's with another girl, and now I'm sad, and I ride away. Like, it just, like, if the point of that was to... Um, make us empathize with Rimara and show us how. Look at her; she's opening up. She's, you know, she's not like this recluse anymore. I, I feel like that could have been that, and that was being delivered really effectively just through her and Daniel Craig's chemistry. Um, you know, I didn't need this like weird sort of drama at the end. I thought it was so silly, um, and I like, like, and I just, I just, it felt so like, look at her; like she's been so badass this entire movie. Uh, but now, like, now she's distraught over this guy. And it, it just did not work for me. See, what worked for me about it is that by the end here, I, I got the feeling for sure that, like, Elizabeth has feelings for him in some way. Um, But especially when they have that scene together outside on the on the street when she's talking to him. um, And he's like, oh, I got to go, you know, see my daughter. That you could see that disappointment in Rooney Mara's face. I think I think that's really well done by her. Um, but I think what really brings it home for me is that this last scene is so effective when she buys him everything and she just sees Robin Wright and Daniel Craig and she just he just puts his arm around her. She tosses the thing in the trash, says men are trash, and then she drives off. And I think that 
I, for me, that was a very effective ending. I thought it was. I thought it was very cool. It'd be like, yeah, you know what? Fuck men. You don't need them. Like, yes. I guess is kind of what Fincher was saying by the end of the movie. But I just like it's like, do we? Could, can't we just have like a main badass female character without having to like have one of her main motivations or conflicts at the end revolve around the guy? I just this I was hoping movie for it doesn't not pass to. the Bechdel test. Yeah. <laughs> What's it. the Bechdel test? Oh, you, the the Bechdel test wherein there is a um, uh, if the main character in uh, in a, a, a work is a woman, her arc can't revolve around her like needing. Well, there's a certain like number. There's some sort. I think there's like some sort of like level where it's like if it ex- like they're like it, they count like how many scenes, how many scenes is the female characters discussion revolving around the men or relating to the guy the yeah and it, it and it's somehow there's there's like an like an official like numbers yeah. thing to it but um I'm there's like some movies to that... remember the details yeah it's based yeah, off I of think uh, that... Alison Bechtel who wrote Fun Home the yeah the, the comics and it's, it's pretty arbitrary and it doesn't like it's not a good indicator sometimes because like there are plenty of movies that don't pass it that are like really good representation but yeah mm-hmm. yeah I don't know. For me, this this movie in, in that respect, and again, this is coming from a straight white man. It, it feels like it has a pretty pro feminism, you know, you know, standing up to to men, uh, toxic men standpoint. Um, even though you know, I, I, again, I don't think it's like necessarily a bad thing that she had a romantic relationship no. in the film because I mean people just have romantic relationships, yeah. you know, it, it just happens. And I, I, I don't think it actually revolves around that. Um, in the end, it, it, it ends that way because, yeah, that's why I it's, mean... I left a bad taste in my mouth, just because the whole ending revolved around it. Yeah, Plus, it I, was the ending of the movie, but again, this wasn't supposed to be the ending of the character um, in this series, and it was because box office. Um, but I think for me it works because it, it, it felt like a good... It wasn't like, oh, I'm so torn up about him. It was like, oh... Okay, I, I do need to be on my own. Toss it in the trash, and I'm just gonna go on my way. Like it didn't feel like she was like heartbroken over it. It just felt like it felt like just more of an. It kind of felt like another badass moment where she was like, "Okay, this is someone not treating me correctly in another way, in a way that's not as obvious." You know. I'm surprised they ended it in this way, like in in trying to set up a sequel, because like this is like. So- Would Michael have been in a sequel? Probably. I'm just surprised because I'm surprised that they no thought this movie was gonna like make enough money and have enough popularity to, to warrant a sequel, just because it's so fucking intense. Like, uh, well, I mean, the books were huge. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's true. And he was coming off a social network, um, but like, man, like that's this would be an intense franchise. Well, I I mean, they did make a kind of a sequel. They made the girl in the spider's web. Yeah, uh, which was like PG thirteen. Was it? Ugh. Pretty sure. I, I stayed away from it. It looked it bad. It got really bad reviews. Bad. Um, damn, damn it, Claire Floyd, you're so good. Why were you I know. That? Oh God, should have been Oscar nominated for First so Man. Should have, should have so won. Good. Wasn't even nominated. Yeah, so good. Um, but in, and unfortunately, the same year she had to play the discount version of this character. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think as an, looking at it from an executive perspective, I would have greenlit this movie. Like, a massively popular book franchise, David Fincher, Steven Zalian, Daniel Craig, like, bankable names. Like, like people know David Fincher. People know Daniel Craig from the James Bond movies. And they know this property. I don't know what... I don't know if it was when they released it. I think they released it in, like, December, uh, around Christmas time. I don't know if that's the right release strategy. I don't... I, don't, I wasn't 
cognizant of a, any marketing campaign. I was pretty young when this movie came out. I think I it's mean, also but, uh, like I even though there are a lot of it. even though there are a lot of bankable leads, a lot of it is very feels very European. And I think that it's also why it probably didn't do so well. Just because, like, like mm-hmm. it, just a lot of, like, you're, like, obviously nothing has Europeans here, but, like, <laughs> like hey. it, a, a movie with, like, more of, like, a European edge may not do as well in, for American mass audiences. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there anything else with the social network? Or the social <laughs> network? Wow. <laughs> They're all the dragon Jesus tattoo Christ. that you guys want to talk about. Yeah, I love the way that ended with Rashida Jones. Good ending. Yeah, really great ending. <laughs> The choice to add um, Beatles I, as uh, Rooney Mara drove off into nighttime, great. <sighs> great. You're great not choice. an asshole, Elizabeth. <laughs> You're just trying so hard to be. So, uh, guys, uh, I guess final thoughts and ratings. Brendan. God, what to say about this movie? Uh, it's a tradition. Uh, okay, so <laughs> this movie, um, it's a very, this is a very interesting movie. I, I think that... Um, Gosh, you know, it was, um, I, as I said before, I had to watch it in two parts. Uh, for the most part, uh, it, it really did keep my interest. It moved at a very interesting pace, despite being almost three hours long, uh, which I won't hold against it, because I, I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, I really wish, you know, that sequels had been made with this cast and, and uh, this crew, because this was a really enjoyable movie. I, I don't think it was perfect. I think there were some confusing parts, and I think that uh, there were maybe I need to watch it again to enjoy it more. Um, to cut to the chase, uh, though, on this viewing of this movie, I'm going to give it an A minus. Yeah, um, I was disappointed by this movie. I wanted to like it a lot more than I did. I thought all the performances were really good, primarily Craig and Rooney Mara. They had a good dynamic. I feel like they kind of ruined that dynamic by being the movie on that. Um, just a very silly note, I thought, by just um, focusing the attention on this like drama and this relationship that I didn't feel was necessary. I feel like they had a really cool dynamic in of itself. Like Floyd said, the scene where they're at the dinner is just really, really good. Um, for me, the investigation, everything was a bit too tangled, a bit too muddled for me to really be completely interested in it, into it. You know, there are some movies where um, I kind of... Uh, I accept that it's complicated, but I kind of get the larger point. I get what's happening. In this movie, I just didn't really feel that, so it kind of took me out of it. Um, I did get back in once Rooney Mara and Daniel Craig teamed up. I thought that was very cool. But overall, just uh, kind of a lackluster movie for me. Um, I I would be interested to rewatch it to see what I think upon second viewing. I just don't exactly want to rewatch it, just because of like the disturbing nature of the movie, not because of how I feel about it. Um, but I think a great vibe, as I said, Trent Razor, Atticus Ross, fucking delivering with another score. The sound mixing is amazing. Very brooding feel, which I think is so great for this movie. Always love the look of David Fincher movies, for sure. Um, so um, I definitely don't dislike this as much as, as, much as Benjamin Button. So I'm going to give this a B. Um, yeah, Stone Cold B on this one. Yeah, um... I think I had very similar reactions to Matt first time I saw the movie, but second time I enjoyed it a lot more. Um, the performances stood out even more. I think Daniel Craig, Rooney Mara, Christopher Plummer, Stellan Skarsgård, they're all fantastic in this film. Uh, David Fincher puts his stamp on the movie. This is firmly a Fincher film. Um, his bleak nihilism is back. Um, all the brutal stuff is back um, in Fincher's style. I think the script overall does a pretty good job. I'm sure that this is a very hard adaptation process um, from this book. I'm sure it's, it wasn't an easy, easy job for Zalian. 
and yeah, I just, I love, I, I got really pulled in the second time with the investigative stuff. Um, I thought it worked really well. And, uh, yeah, I was just, I was thoroughly entertained the second time. Um, obviously there is the brutal scenes in the beginning of this movie that I think if I rewatch, I think, I feel like I might skip them, honestly. Yeah. Like, I've seen it twice. I know what they are. I know the messaging that it's getting across. And I feel like I don't, I don't know if I need to watch those scenes every single time I watch this movie. Um, especially because I think so much of the rest of the movie is very entertaining in a very bleak way that I feel like it just kind of puts a damper on the whole rest of the movie for me. But, uh, yeah, um, I I really like this movie. I think it's really good and I'm going to give it an A minus. Um, so next week, guys, we got a big one. We got Gone Girl. Um, Really big film in David Fincher's career. Very excited to talk about it. Um, have either of you guys seen Gone Girl? Just to tease the listeners. No. Yeah, I love Gone Girl to death. Um, it's a close second. It's right under Zodiac for me. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's right under Zodiac, I think. Um, it's... Ooh, love that movie to death. It's going to be such a fun podcast to do. I'm going to also try to make it onto that one for sure. Um, we'll see. Uh, yeah, super hyped to talk about that. Yeah, we got to have you on that one. Yeah, very excited to talk about Gone Girl. Uh, yeah, the last movie before Mank uh, for David Fincher. Uh, he did a lot of TV in between. Um, Manhunter and... Um, Mindhunter, not Manhunter. Manhunter was the uh, Hannibal movie from the 80s. Yeah, the one before Silence um, of the Lambs. Hannibal yeah. Lecter. I just watched Silence of the Lambs. And to tie it to, together with Fincher, Manhunter star... Um, I forget his name, the guy who plays Manhunter. is the same guy who plays the TV self-help guy in Zodiac, who speaks to Zodiac. Oh, Brian Cox. Yeah, Brian Cox, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so come back next week for uh, for um, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, but that is not the only podcast that we have on this feed. Does someone want to tell me about them? Yes, I would love to tell you about the other uh, shows on this network, and I'm going to do it all from memory, baby. So in addition oh, to this yeah. show... Uh, in addition to this show, we, of course, have our improv comedy advice show, Stop, Wait, What? Uh, new episode of that just came out. It's called Oops, All Characters, and it was just me and Logan. Uh, it was a lot of fun, though. Go check that out. Uh, there's, of course, uh, Back in Style, which is the network's episodic review of Twin Peaks, and that's Matt, Ryan, and uh, Logan. Um, Logan has seen the show before, and the other two have not. It's pretty great. Uh, there is, of course, the CTP Movie Journal, which features these two fine boys. Uh, they just did their best of the decade a while back, and I don't... Have you guys put out another episode of that recently? No. Nope. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's, of course, also the uh, Octo Island podcast, which is our Star Wars podcast. Uh, some of these these last few are being uh, released less regularly than the other ones. Um there is also Twisted Mug Mysteries, your one-stop shop for everything spooky and occult. And, of course, finally, our uh, newer-ish, it's not brand new anymore, so I can't say that, uh, video game review podcast. I might play that. I think that's all of them, right? I believe so. Um, and we are also on social media. We are at Twisted Mug Media on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to hit us up, please do so by there. DM us. That'd be awesome. That'd be so cool. Uh, if you want to email Tight. us, though, you can do it uh, Twisted Mug Media at gmail.com be the first person to actually reach us with an actual i mean people have reached us well (laughs) we have gotten lots of emails um but none of them from real people so far you be the first you make the choice some some funny ones the other day that'd be an interesting stop wait what premise (laughs) that would be 
to just respond to the emails instead of uh, questions. <laughs> That'd be good. That, we actually might have to. That's do that actually funny. That sounds like yeah. fun. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. Um. So yeah. We also have go listen to all those shows. We I'm sorry. We also, uh, we also have a YouTube channel, uh, yes. Among Media Network. Um, on YouTube, we have a couple subscribers on there, but we'd love some more. I just did a review of the Marvel's Avengers game for PS4. Came out pretty recently, um, and I talked about the quirks that uh, came with it on release and what I thought of that. Uh, Logan also runs a Letterboxed account for uh, the the network. Uh, you can find it Twisted Bug Media Network. Um, and then on there is also all of our individual letterboxed accounts. So if you want to see what else we're watching on the side, maybe we're not talking about on the show, uh, kind of get a feel for what's in our general stratosphere. Uh, you can find us all in there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Make sure to come back for all the shows, but also for gone girl next week. So, uh, thanks for listening guys. I'm Ryan. Brendan. I'm Matthew. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening guys. See ya. Um, real quick, this is doesn't have to go on the podcast. Uh, just got announced that Jeff Bridges have has lymphoma. Oh no! Good. Not Jeff Bridges. What? You don't <laughs> like Jeff Bridges? Oh wait! Oh my gosh! I oh, wait! I thought you said. <laughs> I thought you said Jeff Bezos. Just go good. I was like, "Whoa, the fuck, dude! What do you have against Jeff Bridges?" Oh, man. <laughs> oh god. Oh, I take it back. I love Jeff Bridges. That's so. That's sad. I don't, okay. Sad. We've all been drinking. It's late at night. I swear, I heard Jeff that Bezos. That needs to go at the end of the podcast. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> you just go good. I was like, "Damn." Okay. Jesus. Wow. All right. Jesus Christ. Ooh. <laughs> all right. Sorry, Jeff.